Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A mass kidnapping turned deadly. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. We don't really talk about many kidnappings on this podcast. We don't. We talk a lot about murders, haunted things, phenomena. You know, like we talk a lot about that. But kidnapping is something that we neglect a lot of the time. And I'm going to make that right today. So today we're going to be talking about the 2014 Iguala mass kidnapping, which is very horrifying. It's not going to be one of our lighter episodes, I would say. It's got a lot of revolution. It's got a lot of political chaos. It's got buses of all kinds. It's got a lot of moving parts. Yeah, it, it does. It does. So uh, so buckle up. So we're going to start with the Raul Isdro Burgos Rural Teachers College. And I also want to apologize if I get any of the names wrong, mispronounced. I am so, so white, and it is painful to me every day. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am horrible at pronunciations in general, even in English, horrible pronunciations. Anyway, it was founded in 1926. The Raul is Isdro Burgos Rural Teachers College is in Ayotzinapa in Guerrero, Mexico, which is along the Pacific coast. It's very close to Acapulco as a frame of reference. And it is an all-male school that has been associated with a lot of student activism, um, a lot of militant radical protests, which involved a lot of hijacking buses, delivery trucks, kind of anything they can get their hands on to kind of make a point. But it's always been very, very, very nonviolent, which I want to state. It's always been in the interest of the people and not in a way that ever um, damaged property, damaged, you know, like injured people, you know, endangered people's lives, things like that. That being said, the government didn't really like them. They didn't like it, caused a lot of trouble. Although federal agents tend to not actively confront the students when they would borrow these buses that we talked about, which is kind of a benchmark of the school, too, is like taking a bus and doing a protest. Students and teachers were at odds with a lot of local officials a lot of the time. They also used to throw rocks at police officers, again, block, you know, like not in a violent way, but just like to make a point, block roads and do other things like that, but only to get attention from the government. Local authorities in Guerrero were suspicious of student protests because they suspected them of being affiliated with leftist guerrillas or rival political groups, which there is no affiliation formally. So not really true, kind of just a construct of the time. As a little bit of background, in 1995, the Guerrero State Police killed 17 farmers and injured 21 others when they were trying to stop a protest. 
The massacre led to the creation of the Popular Revolutionary Army. Now the students at the Teachers College claim, again, that they have no ties with this place. But there's also a lot of organized crime in this area, too, which is another complicated factor of this whole mass kidnapping. To heighten tensions, in December 2011, two students from the Raul Isidro Burgos Rural Teachers College were gunned down and killed by the state police during a rally um, along the Acapulco Federal Highway. Laws began to escalate um, in terms of teachers and protesting in the, you know, 2014, actually right before this happened. In January, the governor of the state of Mexico sent a bill to the local Congress proposing to sanction the teachers who were actively protesting and not attending their jobs with fines and jail time. So on September 26, 2014, at approximately 6 p.m., more than 100 students from the teachers college traveled to Iguala, Guerrero to commandeer buses, trademark move for an upcoming march in Mexico City. Their plan was to interrupt the annual DIF conference of Maria de Los Angeles Pineda via local president of the organization and wife of the Iguala mayor, um, and that's where that was taking place. However, on the way there, the students were interrupted by the municipal police force at around 9.30 p.m., reportedly on the orders of the mayor. The details of what followed during the students' clash with the police vary. According to police reports, the police chased the students because they had hijacked three buses and attempted to drive them off to carry out the protests and then return to their college. Members of the student union, however, stated that they had been protesting and were hitchhiking when they clashed with the police. As the buses sped away, police opened fire on the vehicles. Two students were killed in one of the buses, while some fled into the surrounding hills. Roughly three hours later, escaped students returned to the scene to speak with reporters. In a related incident, unidentified gunmen fired a bus carrying players from a local soccer team, which they may have mistaken for one of the buses that, they, that had picked up the student protesters. Bullets struck the bus and hit two taxis. The bus driver, a football player, and a woman inside of one of the taxis were killed. The next morning, the authorities discovered the corpse of a student, Julio Cesar Mondragon, who had attempted to run away during the gunfire. His eyes had been gouged out and the skin of his face was flayed to a bare skull. In total, six people were killed and 25 wounded on this site at this specific moment. After the shootings, eyewitnesses said that the students were rounded up, the rest of them forced into police vehicles, and then they just disappeared. So the mass disappearance of the 43 students marked an arguably the biggest political and public security crisis that the Mexican president Enrique Peña Nieto had yet to face in his administration. The incident drew worldwide attention and led to protests across Mexico and international condemnation. The result meant constant protests, a lot of peaceful marches really, some violent but mostly peaceful, headed by the missing students' parents who came from, uh, most of them came from rural families that were poor. Other demonstrations turned violent again with government attacks um, and infiltrating buildings, trespassing. On September 28, 2014, members of the Office of the General Prosecutor in Guerrero arrested 22 police officers for their involvement in the shooting and disappearance of the students. All but 20 of them were released without charge. State Prosecutor Inaki Blanco Cabrera stated that 22 officers were detained and had used excessive or deadly force against the students. The investigation concluded that 16 of the 22 police officers had used firearms against the students. They were imprisoned at the State Penitentiary Social Reintegration Center of Las Cruces in Acapulco. A few days later, they were transferred to the Federal Social Readaptation Center, a maximum security prison, very close, under aggravated murder charges. So that, again, a huge relief in all of this, that there was some justice that was happening with the police that were seen to have caused violence at the place of 
the crime. The mayor of Iguala, Jose Luis Abarca Velasquez, played like he had no idea what was happening. He claimed in an interview on September 29th, 2014, that he had no previous knowledge of the incident and that he could not have been responsible because he was attending a conference and an after party when all of this took place. And then he left to eat at a restaurant with his family. And this, again, the whole world was outraged during this. And he kind of played dumb. I was like, I don't know what was happening. Later, Abarca met with the former party of the Democratic Revolution, President Jesus Zambrano Grilava, who requested him to formally petition a resignation. One account today that Abarca's wife, Maria de los Angeles Pineda Villa, was last seen at this tourist promotion body in Acapulco, meeting with the state governor. She seemed nervous. She seemed agitated. She seemed very worried. And the, she was the person that the protesters initially were going to go protest at. So, again, involved a little suspicious. On September 30th, 2014, Abarca asked for a 30-day leave of absence, which was granted by the Iguala City Council. His absence came amid pressures from other members of the political party, the PRD, who asked him to resign in order to facilitate investigations. Federal agents then raided the mayor's house, and guess what? Abarca had fled Iguala with his wife and children. Then the investigators found out that the mayor's wife was the sister of one of the known members of the Beltran Leva cartel. Ties to some shady dealings. So where do the students go? We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to find out. I want to talk about our sponsor, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a puzzle game that you can play right on your phone, and it's really cool because you go through all these levels. I'm on level 80, solving challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain, but it's casual and it's fun. It's unique and exciting. It's a puzzle experience unlike any other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old, and it doesn't require the internet to play it. I am on level 130, which I thought was good. That is good. My wife is on 500. (sighs) Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I want to switch gears for a second, if that's okay. Yeah, that's and okay. we have a nice review on oh. Apple Podcasts. Said it's very helpful if you rate and review because, you know, we do take a hit. Mm-hmm. And this one is pretty nice from Carly G. Carly hey, Carl, G. What's up? She's a rapper. Car- um, could be. I don't know. I'm not with Carly G. Yeah. Uh, great vibes. Oh. oh. 
You know when you're at a kind of lame house party and you and some other cool folks gather in the kitchen or backyard to talk about weird, random shit, and it ends up being way better than the actual party? That's the vibe of this podcast. Jason and Rebecca keep things casual and really engage the listener. It's almost like chatting with friends. Keep up the good work. Oh, I know what she's... Uh, uh, parties. It's all I... I'm either it's having them do. or hosting them. Jason is like... The Mr. Party. Yeah, he's like the great Gatsby. You know, just like party after party. What's going to happen? Doritos. Excess. Uh, uh, music. Pizza pie. Level five. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Sprites. You, uh, stop. No more, please. <laughs> okay. No more. That, that's a very flattering review. Yeah, thank like you that, very you much. You want to be that person at the party. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you very much for that. Exactly. I um, As this comes out on a Wednesday... I guested on a podcast called Smart Mouth with Catherine Spears. It's all about food history. You know, we cover a lot of food history on here, kind of offbeat, a lot of like marketing, things like that. But that was very fun. If you want to hear more about my food experience and my love of key lime pie, which I also realized Jason just told me that he loved too. So very interesting history. Does it originate in the Keys? You'll find out. We're Listen. not saying send us key lime pie. No. That's, <laughs> no. If that's what you're getting from this. <laughs> Never. Don't huh. send it. Mm. It's the last thing we that's, need. We do not want that. We have a fun episode that's out right now on patreon.com slash ghosttownpod. It is our first kind of like interactive one, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, because I'm really curious yes. to what you think of this. And I almost want you to convince me that this is real. Oh, convinced the skeptic. I'm I'm very, very curious. Uh, It's something a a listener sent in. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, somebody sends you something and you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, now this is all I can think about. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yes. And Jason is pretty skeptical about it. I am too. We're both like fairly skeptical about this, but I think you more than me. And I think to make a case for this would be very interesting as many of our listeners are really, really knowledgeable about what you might see. Spoiler alert, ghosts. <laughs> I mean, just, I can't, I don't know any other way to, so if you're interested in that, curious, it'll be on our Patreon. And also, right now is a weird time. Mm-hmm. You know it, very I know weird. it, we know very it. Very weird, very weird. Stupid to say otherwise. Yeah. And if you're ever just hanging out, Want to reach out to us? Yeah. Say hello. Please. And you know what? I decided to do this because I, again, it's really, I think we've all been in a little bit of a tailspin for very real reasons. Um, But I want to, a while back we did like a mystery package thing and we were always sending uh, pins to Patreon uh, members. But I think uh, if you, I have a little uh, thing that I would like to send listeners who reach out and send their address. So a mailing please, address doesn't have to be your actual, just anything just a mailing uh, address. Yeah, a mailing address doesn't have to be yours. It can be made up. I'll still send a thing. But I, I kind of want to extend a little hopefulness and camaraderie with our listeners because we really appreciate you, especially now. And we're thankful that you're listening at all. And whew, wow. Wow. Strange. Strange. Strange year? <laughs> it is definitely, I mean. It's been four years and three months, yes, I would say. of strange years. So. Yeah. Do you want to uh, go yeah. back, uh, get back to the... Uh, Let's get back to these missing students, I would say. Where did these students go? Some think that they may have angered Guerreros Unidos by refusing to pay extortion money. Others believe that they may be a link between the students' disappearance and a speech given by the wife of Iguala's mayor on the day of the clashes. 
She was speaking to local dignitaries when the students were protesting, and some believe they have been targeted because it was feared that they could disrupt the event, which are all re- like pretty real and plausible reasons for these students disappearing. On October 22, 2014, the federal government stated that Abarca had ordered the arrest of the students in order to prevent them from obstructing a municipal event. The PGR described him and his wife as the probable masterminds of this mass kidnapping. The director of the Iguala Police Force... Felipe Flores was also mentioned as one of the main perpetrators. In Mexico City, over 500,000 protesters demonstrated in support of the missing students. Joining the protests in many other areas of Mexico were uh, famous Mexican actors, directors, writers, and producers. They lit 43 candles on the steps of a theater. In Venezuela, students also demonstrated in support of the Central University there, which has a huge proponent of uh, teachers. In the U.S., uh, Texas students and professors rallied at the campus at the University of Texas at El Paso in support of finding the missing students. The name of each disappeared student was read out and signatures were gathered for an open letter of protest to the Mexican consulate. Protests took place all over the world, London, Paris, Vienna, and Buenos Aires, just to give you a sense of how much of an impact that this had. Uh, Protesters outside of the Attorney General's office in Mexico City demanded the safe return of the students, and that was in November 2014. On that same day, Dozens of protesters, many wearing masks, broke away from a peaceful march of thousands of people demanding that the missing students return alive, again, one of many, and broke into City Hall, shattered windows, smashed computers, and set fire to the building. On October 27th, 2014, just a couple days before, that they didn't realize till a little bit after, the authorities arrested four members of the Guerreros Unidos. According to officials, two of them received a large group of people from the other gang members in Iguala on the night the mass abduction took place. Their testimonies helped the authorities locate new mass graves in Cocula, Guero, about 17 kilometers from Iguala. The area was cordoned off by the Mexican Army and Navy before the forensic teams arrived to carry out some very serious investigations. Around 2.30 a.m. on November 4, 2014, an elite squadron of the federal police arrested former Iguala Mayor Abarca and his wife Pineda at the house in Tenerios neighborhood in Mexico City. Neither of them resisted arrest, Abarca confessed that he was tired of hiding and that the pressure was too much for him. His wife, on the other hand, showed her very big disdain for law enforcement. At the time of their arrest, Abarca and Pineda were among Mexico's most wanted because they were fleeing at a very horrible time. In addition to Abarca and Pineda, another person was arrested by the authorities that day in Santa Maria as Tequan. A federal agent stated the individual was Noemi Berman Rodriguez, who is believed to have aided the couple in their hiding by lending them her house. She was a friend of the couple's 25-year-old daughter, who was taken into custody along with her parents. Authorities were able to link uh, this woman who had the house with the Abarcas due to her friendship and her presence on social media, too. They discovered that she had a picture with a friend that lived in the area who followed, uh, they followed each other online connected it via social media, and bingo, here we are. So what happened to the missing students? A mass grave, initially believed to contain the charred bodies of 28 of the students, was discovered near Iguala on October 5th, 2014. They had been tortured and, according to reports, buried alive. Subsequent reports increased the estimate of the number of bodies found to 34. On October 14th, 2014, police announced that forensic tests had shown that none of the 28 bodies from the first mass grave corresponded to the missing students, but on the same day, four additional graves with an unknown number of bodies were discovered. On January 26, 2015, after the confession of one of the men who had plotted against the students had been finalized, Mexican officials took it to the media to inform the country that the 43 students had been killed 
and their remains were burned. This is what authorities finally pieced together. Once in custody, the students were taken to the police station in Iguala and then handed over to the police in Kakula. Kakula Deputy Police Chief Cesar Nava Gonzalez then ordered his subordinates to transport the students to a rural community known as Pueblo Viejo. At some point, while still alive, the students were handed over by the police to members of the Guerreros Unidos, the United Warriors, a criminal organization in Guerrero that splintered away from another cartel um, and that were kind of trying to prove themselves at the time. One of the trucks used to transport the students was owned by Gallardo Lopez Astillo, a high-ranking leader of the gang. So he told other gang members that the people he had in custody posed a threat to the gang's control of the area. Guerreros Unidos likely believed that some of the students were members of a rival gang known as Los Rojos. With that information, they essentially gave the go to kill the students. Investigators believe that a gang member known by his alias El Chucky or El Choki took parts in the killings. He was suspected of collaborating with Francisco Salgado Villardes, one of Iguala's security chiefs, in kidnapping the students. So this was an effort of gang members and then also government authorities. According to investigators, students were taken to a dumpster in the outskirts of Kokula. After reaching the site, it is likely that 15 students had died of suffocation and the other students were then killed by a couple of gang members, the three suspects that dumped the bodies in a pit and some other suspects known only by their aliases burned the corpses with diesel, gasoline, tires, wood, and plastic. They also destroyed the students' clothing in order to erase all evidence. The fire probably lasted from midnight until 2 or 3 p.m. The gangs assigned guards throughout the day to make sure that the fire was kept alive, that they weren't casting too much suspicion or that people couldn't come very close. When the fires had gone down, the suspects threw dirt into, in to cool the pit. They then placed the remains in eight plastic bags and dumped them into the San Juan River in Kukula, reportedly on orders from a man known only as El Turco. They then sent a text message to their superior confirming the completion of the task. We turned them into dust and threw their remains in the water. They will never find them, the text read. Eventually, believing that the missing students had fled through the hills during the shootings, authorities deployed a helicopter to search for them, but by then, it was just too late. I want to thank NPR, BBC, and the New York Times for this information. It's interesting. It was such an upsetting kidnapping for so many people. But again, uh, we didn't get a ton of press on it in America. Uh, Texas did, but just because it was just a neighboring country to that state. Um, and yeah, it, it was definitely very enlightening, very disturbing, and really goes to show the tensions in between, in between the Mexican cartels and the government and the protesters that is still going on to this day. Criminals are pretty good at doing this, mm-hmm. except when it comes to the technology, I feel like, is when yeah. you, you do all these things and it's probably been very, and then you send a text out that is like, here is what we did yeah. and how we did it. And not realizing that, like, that's probably, that's going to be your downfall is the, is the technology. Yeah. That's a light, that's a light one. That's a, that's, that's a pretty, like, like a light, easy, breezy, breezy one. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real light one. No, oh. just uh, something you can, you should listen as, as you go to sleep. <laughs> Ever wonder what terrible thing happened on this day in history? My name is Karina Bemisterfer, writer and host of Morning Cup of Murder your daily short-form true crime podcast that tells you all about rampage killers, sudden spree murders, famous serial killers, and new cases to explore each and every day. Morning Cup of Murder is the perfect addition to your morning routine. 
So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and find the show on social media at Morning Cup of Murder. And remember, stay safe. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.